Psalm 107. The setting of Psalm 107 is, although we don't know exactly, it is most likely after the 70 years of captivity in Babylon, Cyrus has sounded the decree for Israel to go back and to rebuild, and the captives can now go home. The majority of the Jews, many of whom had been born in Babylon during the 70-year exile, uh, really honestly could have cared less. Uh, They they didn't want to go back. Uh, They really didn't know. Uh, They probably knew much about it. They had probably been told, but uh, no way were they going to spend four months trekking across a desert to go back to Jerusalem, especially when Jerusalem lay in reproach. That's what the book of Nehemiah tells us. And so they weren't going to spend the time to go back. And just as Demas of the New Testament, having loved this present world, they stayed at home in Babylon. But sadly, those who make that choice never get to see the beauty of God the way those who trust Him do. Those who trust Him get to see a beauty and an intimacy of God that those who don't trust Him will never get to see. They, they, may, they may realize some blessings, but they'll never get to see the beauty. And they'll never get to know Him intimately, the ways those that trust Him. In this psalm, as many of the psalms in this specific section were most likely sung in connection with the laying of the foundation of the new temple. This psalm most definitely speaks to and of the nation of Israel. However, there is absolutely no denying the great application for God's people of every generation. And there's one word which I want us to fix our attention upon in Psalm 107, and that is the word goodness. Let me read just a little bit if I could. We'll read a good bit of the chapter tonight, a good bit of the psalm. Psalm 107, verse number 1, the Bible says, I'll give thanks unto the Lord for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. God is good, we're not. The Bible said there's none good. Now we can do some good things, can't we? And by the way, as Christians, having the Holy Spirit abiding inside of us, we ought to do Many, many good things. But God is the one who is good. It says, For His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? Say so. Was the last time you said so? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. And He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city of habitation. And then notice verse number 8. Four times in Psalm 107, we find this verse. Verse number 8, it says, Oh, that men would praise the Lord. For what? For His goodness. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 15. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness 
and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse number 21. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. And then verse number 31. By the way, all four verses ending with an exclamation point. Oh, I'm not reading it that way, but that's the way it's written. An exclamation point means what? means feeling. It means passion. An exclamatory statement. Verse number 31, for the fourth time in this psalm. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. The word goodness, it means that which is morally right and righteous. That which is a benefit and an advantage for someone else. It means kindness. It means loving kindness. It carries the idea of long-suffering. Because here's the truth. In all four of these sections that we're going to read tonight, the nation of Israel is there by their own doing. Self-inflicted wounds, but God is still good. He's still morally right and righteous, but He's kind and He's long-suffering. And so tonight, I want us to look at this if we could. Psalm 33, 5 says this, and this will be our title tonight. And for the next few moments, I want to speak about the goodness of God, but... In Psalm 33, 5, it mentions this little phrase. It says, the earth is full of God's goodness. And that's what I want to speak to us about tonight. The earth is full of God's goodness. We might say, but pastor, oh my, have you seen the world lately? Oh yeah, I've seen it. And it's filled with the goodness of God. By the way, that will help us if we will, instead of seeing all of the turmoil and tribulation and all the trouble, we'll see the goodness of God. Father, help us tonight and teach us. Father, remind us. We we know that you're good tonight. We know that. We've experienced it. But Father, I pray that you just remind us of that tonight. Maybe it will help us to walk out of here tonight with a little bit more joyful and grateful heart than when we came in. Father, help us to praise you for your goodness and for your wonderful works to the children of men. Father, I I pray for those that might be away from us tonight for whatever reason. Father, we just ask for your blessing upon them tonight. Father, tonight may they know and understand and experience your goodness even tonight wherever they may be. Father, for our children and our teenagers tonight, may they get a hold of that truth of how good you are. Father, may they praise you for it every day. Father, may they not be allured by the supposed goodness or the good things in this world, Father. There are no good things in this world. Father, you're the only good thing. Father, help them not to get allured and pulled away by the trappings of this world, but Father, help them every day to see how good you are to them, even as a teenager. 
Father, if there would be one here tonight, a child, a teenager, even someone in this room tonight that has never come to the saving knowledge of Christ, may tonight be that night. May they see their need. May they wonderfully and humbly bow their hearts and their heads and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. Father, we commit these next few moments to you. We ask that you would teach us, remind us, guide us, direct us. Help us to trust you tonight. And we'll thank you for what you'll do. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Let me give you three thoughts if I could tonight. Psalm 107. Number one, I want us to see the condition of his children. The condition of his children. The nation of Israel. Four different, really broken down in four sections. And then we have a final section that really just is praising God once again at the end of Psalm 107. But first of all, I want us to see the condition of his children. In verses 1 through 9, they experienced four different, uh, I hate to use the word things because there's so many better words we could use, but they experienced four different things in their lives. And in verses 1 through 9, they experienced the solitude of the desert. They experienced the solitude of the desert. The Bible says in verse number 3, And gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. He led them forth by the right way that they might go to a city of habitation. We, we might look at that and think about the wilderness wanderings after they've come, come out of the, uh, the nation of Egypt and they've come across the Red Sea but they get to Kadesh Barnea and then they, they, they fear. We, we mentioned that even recently and they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. Uh, it could be very simply that it's a reference to those that were in Babylon coming back to Jerusalem. They had no habitation. They had no city. They're coming back to a city that is reproached, that is burned, that is ruined. They experienced the solitude of the desert. He uses that word in verse number 4, a solitary way. And just like the nation of Israel, there are times in our lives where we feel as if we are walking through the solitude of a desert. It's just us. Now here's the truth tonight. That's not true. We're not walking alone, but sometimes it feels that way, doesn't it? We're in solitude. Nobody else is there with us. They experienced the solitude of the desert. Secondly, they experienced the shackles of the dungeon. Notice verses 10 through 15. He says, such as sit in darkness. Verse number 9, he says, for he satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. Such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron. Because they rebelled against the words of God and contemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble and He saved them out of their distress, excuse me, distresses. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. By the way, again, could this be Egypt? Could this be Babylon? It could be both. It could be a reference to both. But they experienced the shackles of the dungeon. Sin is that which shackles man today. 
It doesn't matter what the sin is. It could be alcohol. It could be another sin. But sin shackles men today. And man knows and has experienced the shackles of the dungeon, the condition of his children. They experienced the solitude of the desert. They experienced the shackles of the dungeon. Thirdly, they experienced the shadow of death. Notice verse 16. It says, For he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron and sunder fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Now notice in all three, in all three of these passages so far, he's mentioned, look, they're in this condition because they didn't listen to God's word. They didn't listen to him. They did their own thing. I, our, our verse and our lesson with the kids tonight is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Somebody tell me now, what does the word trust mean? Okay, to have faith. Believe. Say that again. Depend. Obey. Trust means a firm belief in the reliability, the strength, and the ability of someone or something. That's what trust means. The firm belief in the reliability, the ability, and the strength of someone or something. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. You know what the nation of Israel did? And you know what we do many times? We lean unto our own understanding. It says, In all thy ways acknowledge Him. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. In all thy ways acknowledge Him. And He'll, he'll do what? And He shall direct thy paths. Trust. The nation of Israel hadn't trusted. The, the nation of Israel went their own way. By the way, in, in the little kids' class, I got, up on a, I got up on one of our tables that we eat on over in the gym, and I, I, I was almost to the ceiling, and I had Gabe stand in front of me. And I said, Gabe, can you catch me? By the way, why? Why not? Because he doesn't have the ability, he doesn't have the strength to do that. Gabe, can I trust you to catch me? No. Because you don't have the ability, you don't have the strength. We stand on the table and we're looking out at our own thoughts and our own opinions. Are you able and trustworthy and do you have the strength to catch me? And the answer is no. But God's Word does. Jesus Christ does. In the nation of Israel, just like we do. It says in verse number 17, fools. They were fools because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meaning. They draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. They experienced the shadow of death. It's mentioned in verse number 14, but it's also mentioned in verse 18. It says, They draw near unto the gates 
of death. The condition of his children, they experienced the solitude of the desert, the shackles of the dungeon, the shadow of death. Fourthly, they experienced the storms of the deep. Get verse number 22. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. They that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. The condition of his children. And by the way, we, we could say this for us tonight as his children. I know this is speaking to the nation of Israel, but the application and the truth is clear for us even in the year 2023. Look, we experience the shadow of death sometimes. We experience the storms of the deep. We experience the solitude of the desert. We experience the shackles of the dungeon sometimes. And number two, that leads us to the goodness of God. The condition of His children. Number two, the goodness of our God. The condition of His children. The goodness of our God. Because it doesn't matter in what condition you walked in here tonight. Our God is good. Now, He doesn't condone our sin. Don't you misunderstand tonight. He never condoned and He never winked at the sin of Israel. But God is good. And God is long-suffering and God is merciful. By the way, notice this. And we'll notice this when we go through it. Verse number 6. Would you look there? What happened before He delivered? They cried. Notice verse 6, that they realized their condition. They realized where they were. They realized what they were going through, whether it was the storms of the deep, whether it was the shackles of the dungeon, whether it was the solitude of the desert. They realized that. And the Bible says they cried in verse number 6. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Verse number number 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. Verse number 19, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. Verse number 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble. You know what is the hinge of the door of God's goodness? It's prayer. It's confession. It's acknowledgement that, hey, I'm in this condition Because of myself. And all four times, in all four sections, every condition they're going through, they cry unto the Lord, they acknowledge who they are, they acknowledge what they're going through. And then what does He do? He answers. In His goodness, in His grandness, and in His greatness, the Bible says that He answers the goodness of our God. First of all, in His mercy... In His mercy, He hears and saves. 
Notice what the Bible says in verses 1 and 2. We're speaking about the goodness of our God in His mercy. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve. That's mercy. Grace is God giving us something we don't deserve. Mercy is God not giving us something we do deserve. And the Bible says, oh, give thanks in verse number 1 unto the Lord, for He is what? For He is good. For He is what? Mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Verse number 6, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He did what? Delivered them out of their distresses. Verse number 13, then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He did what? He saved them out of their distresses. He brought them out of darkness, verse 14, and the shadow of death, and break their bands in sunder, verse number 19. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saveth them out of their distresses. First of all, tonight, in His mercy, He hears and saves. Secondly, tonight, by His might, He helps and He sets free. By His might, He helps and He sets free. We've already seen it several times. Delivered them, saved them. Verse number 9. The Bible says, For He satisfieth the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness. By the way, He doesn't just set them free. He also satisfies them in His might. Hey, trust. What does trust mean? It means a firm belief in the ability, the reliability, and the strength of someone or something. Jesus Christ has the might, He's omnipotent, He has the strength to display His goodness whenever His children, with a simple cry, Lord, I need You. Lord, help. Lord, help. Lord, I know my condition. And by the way, can you imagine? Again, we don't know. I'm not trying to make the Bible say something that doesn't. But can you imagine if this were indeed if this was one of the songs that, or psalms that maybe was read or maybe sung at the, uh, when, when the foundation of the new temple was laid. The Bible says when that foundation, when that new temple was built, some of the old men, they cried. They wept. I believe there's many reasons for that. I believe they wept because, hey, the temple's back. But also I believe they wept because they remembered the glory of the first temple. And why it was destroyed. It was because of their sin. It was because of their transgressions. The condition of His children, but oh, the goodness of our God. In His mercy, He hears and saves. By His might, by His might, He helps and He sets free. And He doesn't just set us free, but He satisfies us. Verse number 9 says, thirdly, with His mouth, with His mouth, he heals and stills. Notice verse number 20, if you would. By the way, still there is not S-T-E-A-L. S-T-I-L-L. Verse number 20. Y'all are tired, aren't you? Are you tired? It's been a long day. Hey, I'm right there with you. Verse number 20. He sent His Word and healed them. Who, who are these? This is this was the third section. It says in verse 17, Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meaning. They draw near into the gates of death. They're sick. They're afflicted. They, they don't even want to eat. 
And the Bible says in verse 19, Then they cry unto the Lord, and He saveth them out of their distresses. Verse 20, He sent His what? His Word. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Verse number 29, He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. Then are they glad because they be quiet. Speaking of the storms and the waves. The calm. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. The goodness of our God in his mercy. He hears and he saves. By his might he helps and he sets free. He satisfies. And with his mouth he heals and he stills. He stills the storms, the calm. And by the way, he can do that. He can do it in a moment. All he has to do is speak. And by the way, many times when we're going through the storms, all we have to do is go here and he does speak and it calms. It's not an audible voice. It's the voice right here. Peace. Be still. Be still and know that I am God. Quiet. Did you, did you notice that there in verse number 30? Then are they glad because they, speaking of the storms, be quiet. By the way, that doesn't, that doesn't say the storms are gone. It says the storms are quiet, quiet, quietened. See, the truth is, we said it many, many times, look, peace is not found in the absence of trouble. It's found in the presence of God. God, take away the storm. He doesn't promise to do that. Now, He can. But He does promise to calm the storm. No, no, no. Peace is not found in the absence of trouble. Peace is found in the presence of God. And the storms can be raging around us. And we can still be at quiet and at peace because we're in the presence of Almighty God. We're in the presence of Almighty God. I was reading a book this week and, you know, it, it's a simple truth. But I thought to myself, how often do I practice this? It's a book about the study of the Scriptures, and different ways to study the Scriptures. And, and in there he, he speaks and he, he gives, one of the chapters speaks about the conditions of Bible study. The conditions of profitable Bible study. And the very first one just makes sense, a person needs to be saved. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. There's a spiritual man, a natural man, a carnal man. A person needs to be saved. Now, can, can, can a natural man, an unsaved man, learn things from the Word of God? Absolutely. But there are many things that a natural man cannot learn from the Word of God because he doesn't have the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that. But one of the conditions he mentioned is he says, study the Word of God and read the Word of God as if you are in the very presence of God. And I thought, well... That's so true and that's, but I've never really thought of it. 
that when I'm reading the Word of God, I am in the very presence of God. And I should read it that way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John 1.1 and John 1.14. He said, read it and study it as if you were in the very presence of God because you are. Because it's His Word. Peace is not found in the absence of trouble. It's found in the presence of God. The condition of His children. The goodness of our God. He hears, He saves, He helps, and He satisfies. He heals, and He stills. Then let me give you number three, and we're done. By the way, before we go to number three, talking about the goodness of our God, in Romans chapter 2, verse number 4, it says that the goodness of God, what does it do? It leads us to what? Anybody know? Repentance. He says, do you despise The riches and the goodness of God because he said it's the goodness of God that leadeth us to repentance. Our God is good. That he would maybe bring things in our lives and especially the word of God because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But he would bring things in our lives because he's so good to bring us to the point of repentance. Goodness of our God. Then finally number three, the praise from His people. The condition of His children, the goodness of our God, and the praise from His people. I just want to read these again and we'll be done. Verse 8. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for the, excuse me, the wonderful works, His wonderful works, excuse me, to the children of men. Don't, don't miss that. You see what he says? He says, the children of men. He's God. We're man. We're wretched, we're wicked, we're sinful. The children of men. But He shows and He bestows upon us His goodness. Oh, that men, the idea there is, is that many men aren't praising Him. It says, oh, the psalmist says, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Oh, I wish men would praise Him more, the psalmist says. He says, oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness. And for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse number 15, same verse. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for the wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 21. Oh, by the way, when I was growing up, if Mama said it once, I better do it. If she said it twice, twice came with the middle name. Timothy James. And normally it didn't go past the second time. But if it went to a third time, that's about as far as it went. The psalmist says it four times. God says it four times. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse number 31. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 32. Let them exalt Him also in the congregation of the people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. 
turneth rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turneth the wilderness into a standing water and dry ground into water springs. And there he maketh the hungry to dwell that they may prepare a city for habitation. And sow the fields and plant vineyards which may yield fruits of increase. He blesseth them also so that they are multiplied greatly and suffereth not their cattle to decrease. Again, they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. He poureth contempt upon princes that causeth them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet setteth he the poor on high from affliction and maketh him families like a flock. The righteous shall see it and rejoice. And all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they, notice this, He said, if you'll observe these things, how good God is to the children of men in in their lowest state, in in their fleshly estate, the fact that they're just dust and they're constantly, constantly going and transgressing against Him. He said, if we will observe, the righteous shall see it and rejoice and all iniquity shall stop her mouth. Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even they shall understand the loving kindness of the Lord. His goodness. The condition of His children. The goodness of our God. And the praise from His people. Have you been praising Him? I hope you have. Have you been praising Him? The Bible says, the book of Psalms says, seven times a day. Seven times a day. And we don't have to stop at seven, do we? But it says at least we ought to praise Him seven times a day. Oh, that men would praise the Lord. The earth is full of the goodness of God. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to us, to the children of men. Hey, may we leave out of here tonight doesn't matter what condition you came in, to, in, in tonight. Understand we have a good God. And understand that we ought to walk out of here tonight. If we didn't walk in this way, we ought to walk out of here tonight praising His name. Amen. Father, thank you for the time you've given us. Father, what a wonderful psalm. Father, may you help us tonight. May you help us to praise you the way that we should. Father, would you help us to get our eyes off of self and off of our condition? But Father, the the hinge of your goodness, it turns simply on a cry. If we'll just simply acknowledge our condition and acknowledge from whence cometh our help, our help cometh from you. Father, that hinge of goodness, of loving kindness, of mercy, of might, and of your mouth, Father, it's, it's there. It heals, it helps, satisfies, stills the storms that maybe someone's going through tonight. Maybe a storm that nobody else in this room even knows about. Maybe a storm that's just raging inside, Father. May we trust you with all of our heart and lean not into our own understanding. Father, just acknowledge who you are tonight. And let you calm the storm that may be inside. 
Father, thank you that you're good even when we're not. May we rejoice in that as we leave tonight. Father, help us as we go to prayer. Father, pray that you'd hear and answer, and we'll thank you and praise you for it. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.